Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. The Disciples' Toolkit. Over the next uh, two months, we're going to be putting, I hope, some tools into our toolkit. Uh, and not only are we going to put some tools into our toolkit, we're going to use these um, uh, Sundays week by week as a uh, launch pad, uh, I hope, to creating uh, a little resource that will help us as we go about the task of being and uh, making disciples, that we might together try and keep the main thing uh, the main thing. Of all the things that we could do, we are asked by Jesus to go and make disciples. Hashtag if you're uh, twittering, T-D-T-K, the disciples tool kit. So, uh, what's it all about? Let's get our bearings together this morning as we get underway. We know that we are disciples. We are learners. We are followers of Jesus. And when we think of discipleship, we naturally think about it, I think, from our own perspective as followers of Jesus ourselves. Discipleship is developing my own walk with Jesus. So when I think about discipleship, I think about how well am I doing at reading the Bible and listening to what God says, how well am I doing in my prayer life, how well am I doing at giving or at witnessing or at sharing my life with others in fellowship, how good am I at allowing the Spirit of God to change my character. So I'm thinking all the time about my own personal discipleship journey and how I'm growing in it. Or, or to, to, to put it at the sharpest, in its sharpest sense, its sharpest arrowhead, discipleship is to become like Jesus. That's the goal. The goal of our maturity is to be like him. It says that he predestined us, he chose us to be like his son. In fact, when Jesus says here to those first disciples, come follow me, he was using, as I've said many times, very typical language of that day of a master and a disciple. And as he called those disciples, what, what was inherent in that calling was that Jesus believed they could be like him. That's amazing, isn't it? He believes, he believed that they can be like him. In other words, he believes that we can be like him when he calls us to come and follow him. Jesus believes that you can be like him. And at the end of this week, whatever uh, has come and gone, whatever joys and sorrows we've experienced, whatever anxieties or hopes we've shared, both locally and nationally, what this world needs is more people like Jesus. What, what government needs... What Westminster needs, what education needs, what the National Health Service needs, what your street needs is more people like Jesus. And as we think about our responsibility, we we embrace the truth from Jesus himself that he believes we can be like him. 
Now, depending on your perspective, whether you're a half-empty or a half-cup-full kind of person, you, you might immediately be really excited and encouraged by that, or, or you might simply see the gap between where you are and where Jesus is. I think probably many of us are like that. He might believe that I can be like him, but there's this ginormous gap, it feels to me, between how I am and how he is. Yet, let's just savor it for a moment. He believes that we can move closer and closer and closer, that we can bridge that gap, that we can become more and more like Jesus. Which is why discipleship is so important. And as Christians that believe in God's call on our lives... We gravitate to places and people that disciple us, that help us become more like Jesus. You you come to this church because your friends are here, because you like something about it, because you've always come, because of a whole host of reasons. But above all of that, our hope and our dream as our long is that we come here because we believe in some way that this place disciples us, that we are more like Jesus because we come and then we go, because we come and then we go. We're drawn to certain people to disciple us. You might be uh, uh, leaning into something that God's doing in your life and you, you gravitate to others that are better at it than you. If you want to improve at something tennis, play people who are better than you. If you play people that you you are better than, your game will not improve. And in our spiritual journeys, we stretch our spiritual muscles, we gather with people that will inspire us, encourage us, and stretch us in wherever we are trying to grow. We may get involved in certain events, For some people, uh, some of the national events have been really important in terms of discipling. Historically, uh, 20 years or so ago, Spring Harvest was really significant for me. Others, it might be Soul Survivor or whatever else it is. There's a whole host of them. And some people listen to podcasts to help them go to sleep at night and because it might disciple them a little along the way. And so we grow. And that, I think, is the vantage point that we most typically think about when we talk about discipleship. Discipleship is how I develop in my own walk with Jesus, how I become more like him. And we would be absolutely right. But there is another vantage point that I want us also to engage with as we think about this whole series on discipleship. A different perspective. It looks like this. This is you. This is you. The colors have no relevance at all. Um, They just are the colors that it is. This is you. And you are you because someone, several people in Christ have loved you, taught you, encouraged you, disciplined you, modeled faith to you, encouraged you, cheered you on, read the Bible to you, prayed with you, stood with you, and so on. Isn't that the truth? You are you because people who are further ahead in some aspect of faith have held your hand and pulled you gently forward or drawn you. It's not like they've pulled you and you've been resisting, but drawn you is probably a better word than pulled um, or pushed you kicking and screaming. Drawn you 
uh, forward with them and you have grown in your walk with Jesus because of their walk with Jesus. They've been discipling you in some or many areas of your life and you are hugely grateful to them. Parents, maybe. Family, friends, youth leader or leaders, Sunday school, workers or teachers, teachers, pastors, whatever, neighbors, you add to the list. There will be some people, I hope, already right now in your mind that you know it was their investment in you. It was them gently taking you by the hand and drawing you forward that's enabled you to be who you are today. And some of you will think back many years to someone when you were just a little child or a very significant time while you were a teenager or another time in your life and you will be able to name those people in your minds right now. You with me? Let's pause, shall we, and give thanks to those people that have loved us, taught us, encouraged us, disciplined us, frankly on times put up with us. They've let us ask all our questions, let us express all our doubts, and they've taken us by the hand, and they've drawn us deeper into Jesus. Let's name some people uh, as loud as you, as you want to, just in this moment. We thank you, Lord, for the people that have discipled us, that have drawn us forward, those that were there for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe in your spirit you just uh, sent something to do. It would be a beautiful thing to write a card, to send a message, to send a text, to contact. For many of the people that have invested in our lives, we'll have to wait till glory to say thank you. But maybe there are some people we can appreciate and say thank you to in the here and now. So we thank you for a great army of people that have enabled us to be who we are. And we're grateful to you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. And I would encourage you actually just to to take that moment to write, to communicate, to say something that perhaps maybe you said before or or maybe you've, you've never said. Sometimes we don't understand and therefore they don't. The, 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 um, the blessing that we have been to someone or the blessing that they've been to us. So it's just name it and say thank you to God uh, to them uh, for it. So we see discipleship from this vantage point. I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking how my journey with Jesus is or isn't growing. And I'm thinking about the people that have and are making that uh, possible. And sometimes that's where the whole package ends. In fact, in my experience of church, not this church, just church generally, that's the discipleship package. So much so that we could teach, and I wrote and taught a discipleship course that we rolled out for a number of years, uh, some years back. Uh, A number of you were on it, and we remember it. That we could journey, the whole journey of discipleship, simply from the perspective that I've been talking about already. My walk with Jesus and those that are helping me and inputting it to me. Obviously, though, perhaps you can begin to see where this is going. If the, the blue person, as part of their discipleship, has discipled me, 
then surely as part of my discipleship, I must disciple others. I need to take others by the hand and draw them deeper into faith in the way that my hand has been held and taken deeper into faith. If we think about it, everyone, oh sorry, every disciple, sorry, every disciple should be discipling someone somewhere. We have two hands. One to reach out, to be drawn along, uh, and one to hold, to reach out to somebody else. The metaphor falls apart because in reality we're holding on to several people and, and we can reach out perhaps to several people at the same time. That's what being a disciple means. It was so part of the culture of Jesus that it didn't need to be spelt out in the way perhaps we need to articulate it clearer because it's easy for us to miss it. When those disciples were following Jesus, they knew that it meant to become like Jesus and they knew instinctively, because the culture was that of master and disciple, they knew instinctively that part of that growing to be like Jesus would be to do what Jesus himself had done and he himself had called some disciples so they would be holding out their hands to others. We focused a lot on discipleship is about me and who I look to perhaps to help me grow, could it be that we've missed out on the most exciting, dynamic, adventurous part of being a disciple of Jesus, the part when I think about who I'm reaching out to? So it's very easy for me to think about my own journey Uh, And it all kind of comes and stops with me. Uh, And this metaphor is um, hugely overdone, but you know that people talk about a comparison between the Sea of Galilee that's up in the top, uh, the northern part of of Israel that was, land of Palestine and so on, at the top. And the River Jordan goes right down the middle, and then there's the Dead Sea at the bottom, and the Dead Sea actually is dead. And the reason the Dead Sea is dead, because nothing flows out of it. And you've heard people apply that in so many different uh, contexts. Could it be, it's absolutely true in this discipleship context, that the life, the true life, the true adventure of being in Christ is not just about my walk with him, but it's my walk with him flowing through to reach somebody else, to bring them along with me. So discipleship is developing my own walk with Jesus, but it's also discipling others in their own walk with Jesus. Which, of course, as we know, is one of the major themes of the New Testament. Jesus modeled it, didn't he? And then he said, go into all the world and make disciples and teach those disciples to obey everything that I've commanded you. So teach the new disciples to do the same thing that I've taught you to do. And so you get a cascading domino effect as one person disciples another. It's no accident, I guess, therefore, that we read about the 12, and then we hear about the 72. And you think, ha where did the 72 come from? Is it a sheer coincidence, knowing that every number in the Bible seems to have massive significance? Is there any coincidence that 72 is a multiple of 12, if you haven't spotted that already? Good job you're not doing GCSE maths this coming week. Years later, 
towards the end of the Bible, and Paul had lived this out through the whole of the early church, towards the end, he talks to young Timothy, and he reminds young Timothy of the same cascading effect. He says that the things that you've heard in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who are also qualified to go and teach others. In other words, he's got four generations of the journey going on. It starts here, and someone else takes the hand, and someone else takes the hand, and someone else takes the hand. Uh, and what Paul is saying, uh, that even, even as he relates to young Timothy, he can see young Timothy establishing four generations worth of discipleship, which is quite an exciting thing. We look around and we wonder what impact we can have. Well, a ginormous impact as we disciple new generations. And so as we think about discipleship over these next couple of months, we're going to try and think perhaps a bit more about the second perspective than the first, because we're much more familiar with the first. So we're going to think about things in discipleship terms from the viewpoint of, I have a responsibility to take someone else by the hand, rather than simply just what I'm learning as I take the person or the people that are discipling me by the hand. And maybe we think, as I'm sure we do, I'd love to disciple other people, and I have a sneaky suspicion that if I was to push into that, that would be uh, one of the most dynamic, adventurous parts of journeying with Jesus. But I don't know how. It's the how that we want to try and address together over these coming weeks. To put some tools in our disciples' toolkit that will help us to disciple somebody else. All of that was by way of introduction, not just today, but to uh, these next few weeks. So we're thinking this first week then, as we take someone by the hand that we are drawing on in their walk with Jesus, well, what does that person need? What's one of the most basic or stepping off points for beginning a journey of faith? Well, I think Jesus was quite clear, and we'll be going back to Jesus all of the time because he's the architect of all of this. Jesus was quite clear that the beginnings, the, the, the beginnings of discipleship, where it starts, is learning to listen. Learning to listen. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Unless you've learned to listen, Jesus is suggesting, you're never going to get led anywhere. The sheep are led because of their ability to listen to the master's voice. The first and foremost place where we learn to listen is in the, is in the Bible. Is in the Bible. The first and foremost place where we learn to listen to what God is saying to us is in and through His Word to us. So if we're going to disciple someone, anyone, anywhere, anyhow, part of the journey, or even the stepping point, the beginnings of the journey, is to help people learn to listen to what God has to say in His Word. Word. But there's more. There's more. There is a corollary to listening, and that's something else. Something that has to follow the listening, or the listening makes no sense. What is it? It's the doing. 
It's the learning to listen and to do what Jesus says. So Jesus told a story about a wise and a foolish man that Pat read to us some moments ago. And it's easy to think that the foolish man was the, um, what's the word? You can't, say, you can't say dunce, can you? That's not a politically correct term, is it? Looking to any teacher to help me. I don't know, but, but, but it, I, I always received it. I'm not saying this is how it was taught to me, but I always received it like there was the, the foolish man who during the class was just do-do-do-do-do-do-do or playing on his iPad or Xbox or whatever, not paying any attention, not engaging at all, and therefore he, he didn't engage with the whole process, so he ended up making a right mess of things and he built his house on the sand. Whereas the wise man was totally glued into what was being said, writing notes, taking it all down, and he did a cool job. It doesn't actually say that. Well, what Jesus says, it's not about the listening. He says both the wise and the foolish men actually listened to what was being said. They engaged with what they were hearing, but only one person then went and did it. So we can learn to listen, and we've become good at listening, uh, generally speaking as Christians, because we put you through this every week. You've got to be quite good to listen if you're going to come to church and not get thoroughly hacked off with it because it's a very listening-orientated environment, at least this part of the morning is. Wise and foolish builders. The one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapses. So the beginnings of discipleship is not just to learn but it's to learn to listen, sorry, not just to learn to listen, but to learn to listen and do what Jesus says. And this is, of course, what Jesus modeled. Remember, he was calling the disciples to become like him. So the way Jesus lived his life, uh, the values and principles are, are really critical. And we see at the core of Jesus that he would listen to his father and he would speak what his father says. He would watch his father and he would do what he sees his father doing. So this is a verse about uh, listening. Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, talking about his death, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. So I'm listening and then I'm speaking it out. I'm listening and I'm doing what um, I'm being told. And then towards the end of uh, uh, John's Gospel, uh, Jesus says again, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me, doing his work. So there was this interplay all the time of learning to listen and then going off and doing what, uh, what he had heard. The burning question then is, as we long for those that we want to take by the hand to learn to listen and do, what, what, how, what, what tool, how are we going to do that in our ordinary, everyday lives? When we're leading a small group, when we're getting alongside a, uh, our neighbor, when we're mentoring a young person, or an older person for that matter, when we're drawing alongside someone at work, when we're building our mission or community, how do we help people begin to learn to listen and do what Jesus says? Well, I still think, and I suspect I always will, that SOAP, Scripture Observation Application Prayer, and I'll say more about that in a minute if you've got no idea what I'm talking about, SOAP is the best tool that we have to help people learn to listen and to do. The thing about SOAP, 
and why I'm such a fan is that you can use it with anyone. You can use it with people that don't yet know about Jesus. And that sounds somewhat remarkable. But if when you go home and you Google everything that I've been saying, if you go home and you Google uh, Discovery Bible Study, you will realize that the Christian faith is growing rapidly amongst little cells of Christians who are effectively simply doing soap with people who are not yet believers. And they're learning to listen to the Bible and put it into action even before they're sure they believe in the God who wrote the Bible in the first place. How cool is that? Whereas in our Western culture often we've come to faith and then we've got to learn this stuff. They're learning it even before they've just... So they're ready when they make that decision uh, for Jesus. I, I love soap because you can use it with people who haven't got any faith. You can use it with people who perhaps have got lots of faith. One, one of the most... Um, uh, one of the best kind of huddles that we have as a ministry team when we meet together for our devotions. Uh, sometimes we'll uh, bring some input into that environment, but probably on a rhythm of around once a month, we will simply do soap together and someone will lead it. And we open up God's Word and it speaks into our lives because it's alive. The book is alive. And if we open it and we let it speak, it will do what it promises to do. I love it because young people can do it and even children can do it. And uh, you can do it whether you've got a little bit of time or a lot of time. The Bible will get to work because it's dangerous. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. And you'd be careful how you picked up a double-edged sword. And in the same way, as we pick this book and open it, we can capture a, a renewed sense that this book is alive and will do stuff as we open it. So... How does it work? Many of you know this. Um, You can check it out on the website as well, forward slash soap. Um, But it works a bit like this. You open the Bible and you read a bit after you've prayed. And the reason that you pray is that actually we believe that God, by his Holy Spirit, brings his word alive. And suddenly there, we've got everything that we need for God to do something amazing. Would you agree? That's all you need is the Holy Spirit in the Bible for something amazing to begin to happen. And so you've got the Bible, and this is partly why I want you to get in touch with your own Bible. Remember I said a few weeks ago about bringing your own Bible. I mean, it's kind of nice to have pew Bibles, but it's kind of there here, and we leave them here and stuff. Have the Bible. Carry it with you. Carry your Bible with you. Uh, And as we open it up and we read a passage, uh, uh, you go, well, I'm not sure where to start. What passage should I start with? Well, if you're not sure where to start, honestly, start with the Gospels, the stories of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John went to bed with their trousers on. That's how you remember it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's just a story about the amazing things that Jesus did. It's an easy read. It's an exciting read. It's an adventurous read. And uh, away you go. You're you're in it. If you're doing uh, a soap, of course, with people that have uh, been Christians for uh, a lot longer, then, of course, all Scripture is God-breathed. And you can open it up anywhere. You can open it up in Leviticus, and it can blow your mind. The things God is saying and doing uh, way before Jesus uh, came. So uh, I'd encourage you, if uh, you're not sure where to start, start in the Gospels or just get a plan. Burlington's plan is absolutely ace. Did you know there was a Burlington Bible reading plan? Well, it's not ours. We nicked it. And we give full credits to where we stole it from. And we do use it with permission. But it's the Life Journal uh, uh, Bible reading plan. You can get it on, online. It comes up on the front page of the website. You can download it here, there, and everywhere. Uh, and what's brilliant about it is that you can read loads if you're a reader, and it'll get you through the whole Bible, and it'll get you through the New Testament twice in one year. 
So if you, if, uh, you, know, if you were about to reach out your hand to a, uh, a Cambridge postgraduate student, you'd go, yeah, let's do this. We'll do this in six months. Forget about a year and you motor your way through it. Or if you're not sure about reading, the other end of that is just a few verses and if you're feeling good, you can add a little bit more, add a little bit more, add a little more. And I'll take you through the whole Bible in the same way, but obviously not every word or every chapter and uh, verse. If, if reading's not your bag, the amazing thing about the world that we live in is that an audio Bible is literally one press on your computer or your tablet or your phone away. Uh, version, uh, and I appreciate many of you use version, but maybe as someone who doesn't know about it, Y-O-U, version, Y-O-U as in you, you, you version, uh, will give you more Bible translations than you can possibly get to grips with, and a good number of those, you can press a button and it'll read it to you. And for some of us, that revolutionizes our Bible reading, because we're oral learners. And so I'd encourage you to experiment. If you find reading it difficult, remember that for most of the life of the Bible, it wasn't read by people like us, it was we listened to it being read and communicated by uh, others. So, Scripture. Read a passage. That's where you start. You pray. God's at work. The Bible's open. It's alive. It's dangerous. It's going to do stuff. And then, very simply, oh, observation. Ask questions. Discovery Bible study stuff is all about just asking questions. It's not about, let me tell you the five things this passage is telling you, like this style. It's, what do you think about? And some questions to begin to ask, and you can put these in context, depending on the kind of person that you're uh, uh, doing this kind of uh, uh, sharing with. What are you drawn to? You read a passage about Jesus doing something. What, what, what are you drawn to? What, what, what does it make you think about? What excites you about it? What troubles you about it? What are the questions that you have about it? And you're beginning to observe and explore the passage itself. Uh, some of you will be familiar with these sets of questions that are perhaps a bit more for those that are uh, further on, a bit more committed. What does it say about God, his people and or life? What are the promises, principles, commands or warnings in the passage that you've just read? And basically you're digging it up, you're delving in. If it was a swimming pool, you're jumping into the deep end as you observe it. And usually what happens, why? Because the Holy Spirit's at work and the Holy Spirit wants to do what? Speak. Holy Spirit wants to speak. So, it's not unusual. In fact, it's overwhelmingly common that you begin to zone in on a verse, a phrase, something that happened, that the rest of the passage is not that it's wrong, bad, it's just not for now, and you begin to zone in on perhaps a phrase or a verse or a particular idea contained within it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Anyone ever had that happen to them? A million times, because God's faithful. And suddenly, you've read the passage and you've read... And you've asked the questions and you're beginning to zone in about something and perhaps you've thought of some new ideas or you're looking at it in a different way, something that you haven't seen before. And honestly, this moment is a danger moment because that in itself can be quite satisfying. Especially if you're a preacher type like me. You might go, you're not a preacher type. No, but I've had to do it for quite a long time. That's all I mean, really. Is a you read the passage and you see something new or exciting and that's quite intellectually stimulating if you if you can if you're with me and so because it's been quite intellectually stimulating like going to a lecture and learning something new you go ah that's quite interesting and at that point it's very easy for me very easy for some of us depending on our personality to tune out and go well I've learned something new today 
What a great study of the Bible this has been because I now have a bit more knowledge or a new idea or I've seen something that I didn't see before. Warning, stopping at this moment can seriously damage your health. So mature Christians uh, can stop and go, oh, I'm excited by this new idea and pause. Uh, People that are not yet Christians, they're not so much thinking about how they're going to change their lives because they don't necessarily believe in it yet, they equally can find themselves satisfied because they've learned something new on a knowledge or intellectual level. So we need to push on to the application and this is where it really comes into its own. Two questions that you've heard me say a million times. What is God? And I've put what is it saying. Because if you're reading the Bible with someone who doesn't believe in God yet... As they're exploring God's word, which is alive and active and will do what it promises to do, uh, to say, what is it, meaning the passage, is quite a normal, natural thing to say. What's it saying? What's it saying to you? And and how might that be speaking into your life? Is a similar question to what is God saying and what you're going to do about it, but it's at a more appropriate uh, level. Be specific as you can. When you talk with people about what God's saying and what you're going to do about it, And if you are taking someone by the hand and you're leading them on, what does that mean in this moment? It means that if you're going to lead someone, you can't lead them where you're not going yourself. So you need to be open about what God's saying to you and what you're going to do about it, which is more uncomfortable than simply inviting someone else to suggest uh, what's true for them. So at that moment, we also are open about what God's saying to us and what we might do about it in response. And then two just uh, supplementary thoughts that actually we have found really difficult. So you know the laminated soap thing? Some of you will, that you, that you use in groups and organizations and in different places. And the very final question, I think we almost universally ignore because it's a difficult one. Who can I share what I've learned with? And and it's difficult because we're in discipleship mode as I'm reaching someone who's discipling me and we don't give much thought about who we might be holding the hand of behind us. And so this is a reminder that even if we're just journeying towards faith and we're learning stuff, we build in the principle that you might already or one day be holding someone else's hand. And of course, accountability, if people are going to say, I'm going to do something, then it's simply polite to ask them how they got on. And it's not only polite, it's really helpful to ask them how they get on. Otherwise, the things that we say week by week just float into the air and disappear into no man's land. And then just as we began, we can end with prayer. A short written focused prayer can be really powerful. Uh, We can be into kind of wordy, waffly prayers. Writing a short sentence prayer about how we're going to respond can be really, really helpful. So, soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Uh, writing down what happens, I would really encourage you to do, even if you're not a natural writer. I'm not really a natural writer in this kind of sense. Um, so I, I wouldn't naturally do it, but I discipline myself to do it. And the reason I do that is that it enables me to look back and to see the things that God has said, to see the ways that, um, that the journey that uh, we've been on uh, together. So if you write it down, scripture, write the scripture, 
observation, write a few things about what you've observed, application, what's God saying, what I'm going to do about it, write it down. So it's only, it's only an A5 page. It's not even an A5 page. It's just a, it's just a few bullets on a page. And uh, here's one I prepared earlier. So here are the, the, the devotional booklets that the young people use. And uh, you, you will know that at the beginning of the year we made them available to, to grown-ups. You, any grown-ups in the room? So, so, so you, you can have one of these, which is a very simple thing to fill in. There is a small charge, but if you, if you really have got no money to pay, then take it. But tell us you've taken it, and then I won't go, oh, we've lost all those books. Where do they go? Um, but you'd be welcome to have it. Uh, and you simply fill in each day, and you put a, a title at the end, at the top, and it just reminds you about the journey that you've been on with God and becomes a really precious and uh, powerful resource over time. Many of you have been journaling for many years. Now, doing all of this in a group is a million times easier. Jesus knew what he was doing when he gathered a group because there's a sense of journeying, there's a sense of comradeship, there's a sense of building and growing relationships. And that's why missional communities, any community, who cares what you call it, but any community that's on mission becomes the richest place for discipleship because you're all in it uh, together. I asked John and Anna if they would just say a, a couple of words about the journey that they've been on of opening the Bible with people that God's been bringing into their lives and uh, telling us a little bit about what's happened. Anna. Um. Yeah, so when Simon asked us to do this, we kind of thought, oh, I don't, is that what we're doing? And then actually, listening to this talk, I've realised that, yeah, this is kind of exactly what we're doing in our group, so hopefully it will kind of um, help some of you guys to think about how you might work this out with your friends. Um, so back in kind of September time, we were just hanging out with some of our friends, and we kind of, I suppose we knew they were Christians, but we didn't know them that well. Um, they haven't been going to church for quite a long time um so we were just kind of chatting with them um and then we decided one evening that it would be a nice idea perhaps to start reading the bible together um and that's all it was really um and then so we kind of started meeting every week so we now meet um on a sunday uh, afternoon at four o'clock uh and we just read a bit of bible together um and Actually, it kind of follows the format of soap. I didn't really realise that's what we were doing, but actually it turns out <laughs> it is. Um, so, yeah, we basically just read a bit of passage together. And we talk about it. We ask each other questions about it. We kind of talk through bits that we don't really understand, maybe. Um, and then we sort of challenge each other to kind of apply it to our lives. And then, yeah, and then we kind of pray together at the end. So, yeah, it turns out it is soap. Um, uh, yeah, so we've been doing that for, yeah, since kind of October sort of time. Um, and it's it's been really, really great. Um, so these guys obviously haven't been going to church um, for, for a long time now. Uh, and I think it's been really good for all of us. We've all kind of pulled each other along. Um, so we started off by reading James um, and we found that a really helpful book because it's quite practical um, in the things that it talks about. Um, so we, we started with James and we're now reading through Matthew together. Um, and we just take like a chapter a week um, and maybe we'll have a quick read of it in the week um, individually as well. And then we come together and John kind of 
likes to lead us a little bit in it, and um, so we'll kind of go through it together, um, a bit like that. Uh, and then once we've prayed together, we just have dinner together uh, and hang out for a bit of the evening. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how it works. And then we have like a WhatsApp group, so we'll message each other during the week and things like that, and just keep in touch with each other, really. Um, and then we try not to make it so it's um, just a once a week thing so we'll see each other at different points in the week as well and um, it's really kind of about the friendship as well so it isn't just like another bible study group where you kind of meet together and then go home and don't talk to each other um, again so we're trying to kind of make it more like a family I suppose almost like a missional community type thing as well um, and another quite cool thing that's happened I suppose is so first we just started meeting with this other couple um, who I kind of know through work uh, and then another other guy um, at my school kind of said oh I'd like to start going to church and we happened to be going to the forge that week so we were like oh well we're not actually going to our normal church but yeah come along with us anyway Um, and he made a proper kind of recommitment to faith and he'd been away from it since he was a teenager Um, so he's now really involved uh, at the forge in Debenham Uh, and so uh, one of the the friends from the couple said oh well maybe we should get him to come along to our bible study um, so now there's five of us who meet together uh, every week and kind of do it together uh, and it's been really really cool and I think John's going to talk a bit more about um, how we've seen um, each other kind of grow in faith and things like that <laughs> um yeah, so when Simon on Thursday first asked us to uh, share what we were doing, I was really thinking, um, actually for us, it's, well, yes, we do get together once a week and we do pray and we do read the Bible, um, but it's it's that sort of social side, it's the hanging out, it's the doing life with each other, it's the um, being a little bit accountable to each other, um, that's the really important thing. But then the more I thought about it over the last couple of days, um, the more I realised, actually, without that regular meeting up and that regular opening of the Bible and the regular praying together, the social side is just that. It's just social side. And it actually won't ever grow into anything more, or if it does, it will be incredibly slow and how are we going to be holding each other accountable if we're not opening our Bible and if we're not letting those words challenge us? And like Anna was saying, we don't do anything that is particularly mind-blowing. We just read a chapter, we talk about it, we think how it's going to, um, how we might apply it in our lives, and then we do it. And it's amazing, really, to think that actually for to do something so, so simple and just to listen to what we think God's been saying to us and to try and act that out, we've gone from, what now, like six months ago, having a couple and another person, so three people who didn't read their Bible, didn't pray and didn't go to church, and now closer to God. Isn't that amazing? And, and, and it's brought us so much closer together as a couple, and it's brought us so much closer to God. And it's just, it's simple, but somehow it works. And that's it, really. Brill, thanks, uh, both of you, very much. So week by week, we're going to build a little bit of a, of a toolkit. We're going to attach a, a little bit of a resource around what I've been saying, but the bones of which you've had in that soap thing uh, for some while now. Uh, as we think about the people that we take by the hand. Let's pause for a moment uh, and open up our hearts to God.
and, and allow, allow just in the space the Holy Spirit to whisper to us. Maybe we already just know so clearly the people and the places and we're, and we're just dug in. Maybe we're a bit lost. We're not, not sure whose hand we should be holding. We're reaching out and holding people's hands that are helping us walk with Jesus, but we're not sure to whom we should reach out and hold their hand. As the Holy Spirit's here, just allow your, your hearts to, to dream a little. Sometimes it all feels impossible. It feels like big stuff feels beyond us. How, how would we get to that place? And yet simple conversations and simple rhythms can take us there. And it might be people that are already on the cusp of faith as we've been hearing or people that are, uh, are not yet uh, exhibiting faith at, at all or, or perhaps in different seasons people that have, uh, have a faith but need someone right now who will reach out a hand to them and draw them along. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and active. That your word, when it's launched, doesn't return empty. That's the promise in your word. We thank you for every time in our own lives and as we've shared with others, we've realized this book is quite hot to handle. And we don't need to work it up. We just need to allow the book to do its work. It's your word and it's your truth. And it's our job to light it up perhaps even more than it ever is to defend it or to debate it or to offer our own instruction around it, to light it up that it might be a a light to our path and a lamp to many people's feet to help us in the task of growing closer, of becoming more like Jesus. And as part of that task, help us in the task of reaching out, helping others to become more like him too as we offer our lives in a way that says we follow you, we live for you, we give ourselves for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as John and Anna lead us.